0: Welcome to OSW Review, presented in Glorious Grapple Vision and and encoded in Blast Processing. We chronologically critique the FIA Formula One World Championship. Oh god help us all! <laughs> Welcome to Motorsport 101. <laughs>
1: You are the world champion! Let the record show that that was King's idea. <laughs> Welcome to episode 129 of the Motorsport 101 podcast. I am your friendly neighbourhood host, Mr. Andre Harrison, and um, F1's back, everybody! Ray! I guess. Uh, you know, that's nice and all. Um, yeah, congratulations, kids, this is the shortest set list in the history of the Meadows Football 101 podcast, we're just going to be talking about an F1 race, how much do you want to bet this, how yeah, this much do you want a- bet this still goes two hours?
0: <laughs> yeah, because we got a lot to talk about, Dre just didn't write it down.
1: Yeah, look, 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 listen, 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 like, I am minimalist, it, like, like, I'm sure there is room for branching path and discussion on this show, like, we, we, we're nuanced and professional like that, but, um, hey. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. We have, oh my god, five people on this show again. Jesus, we're getting we're getting bigger by the week. We're gonna have to start building like a new conservatory in the back, bizarrely, um, and the Sinbin, of course. Um, but <laughs> let's give it.
2: Why am I getting kicked out?
1: You, you know exactly why you're getting kicked out. <laughs> you see,
0: Dre, You better not. You better not leave that to interpretation for the audience because they're just gonna go just uh, like. Uh, next thing you know, they're going to people people out for us because...
3: <laughs> <laughs> they're going to make up conspiracy theories about how we're angling to get a better deal on some other podcast network.
1: Listen, listen. There is no reason to believe that motorsport.com will not buy us out if we sacrifice Zoe to, to the Greek gods. It's, it's all the plan.
2: As long as I can have onion rings, I I go. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Okay, now this discussion came up on Twitter um, about over the weekend, like sometime after the race. Um, Dre, you've said you've, you're you not a big fan of onions.
1: I've never had an onion ring in my life when I'm 26 in August.
3: <sighs> That's entirely understandable. I went through a phase where I, I actually liked onion rings, and then for a while I just hated onions. Did not want to eat onions at all, and now I've just settled into onions. onions, onions are fine.
1: Why did I get torched for this take? This is what I don't understand. It's like <laughs> I
0: was like, because you, do you, do you not like onions? Period in any food at all? No. Okay, see, I, see why I got torched for that.
2: I, the thing was, if you hadn't mentioned you'd never had onion rings. The, in the conversation. And probably no one would have batted an eye.
1: Yeah, and I got criticized by a person who's a good friend of ours who eats raw potatoes. And I get torched. <laughs> I get torched for never having an onion ring in my life. What sense does this make?
0: <laughs> I didn't know we were good friends with Nico Rosberg now. Look
1: this,
0: <laughs> so... Nico Rosberg ate raw potatoes. Oh, that was like his pre-race thing, like a couple years back.
4: Oh
1: god. See Oh, if you only I knew the movies I haven't it. seen. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the One on 101 Podcast where we talk about my strange eating habits before we talk about Formula One. Uh, don't you love this show?
0: <laughs> we haven't even gotten through the introductions <laughs> yet. Exactly. No, we
3: haven't. And Kevin Harvick, as we are recording, is a hundred laps away from getting everybody a free bloomin' onion and outback. <laughs>
1: There is no escape. Um, <laughs> oh God! Let's introduce the five-person panel on this week's episode. Of course, with me, as usual, is Mister Ryan King.
0: Whoa, well, whoa! Well, I'm Jay Hunter. What are you talking about?
1: Yes, yeah, so you're about as Irish as I am. Now, <laughs> from some other part of Ireland, clearly, RJ O'Connell. He's got the. He's got. The, he's, 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 he's got the name down already. Clearly. Um... <laughs>
3: Um, My biggest gripe here is that, well, yes, Tiger Woods did make several contributions and was a landmark player in golf for from about 1997 to 2008. Um, what is the deal with not having Serena Williams higher up on this list? Um, she should have easily been top three, if not number one.
1: Right. I, I did see that ESPN list of most dominant <coughs> athletes of all time. And, like, I, I, I wanted to comment on it, but then I saw Colin Cowherd put Floyd Mayweather at number one, and I was like, oh, just fuck off. Just like, I was just like, fuck this guy. Colin doesn't even work for ESPN anymore. But, of course, he had to throw in his two cents, because, you know, <laughs> Mr. Hot Take himself. But uh, I was like, Barry Bonds was, like, 17th, and I stopped taking that list seriously, because, like, Brady was 20th, and Peyton Manning was, like, number two. And I was like... You
0: also need to know that it's the, the most dominant athletes over the last 20 years, so maybe that's... That what
1: changes means. nothing! Like... <laughs>
0: That doesn't include, like, half of Barry Bonds' career.
3: Uh, Yo, Michael Schumacher Yo, Michael Schumacher got seventh. I was surprised he even made the list. Yeah, I was surprised he, he made the list. It, it, it's
1: relevant now. ESPN's now had to embrace F1 as part of its culture, so now it's like, hey, we'll mention Formula One for the first time, like, ever.
3: Ooh, boy, and me and King have got some stories to yep. tell you on that. More
1: on that later. Uh, also, as usual, we have Zoe Hamilton on the show. Hello, Zoe.
2: Yes, from my space in the conservatory, where apparently I now belong.
1: Yes, yes. Consider it an upgrade from the sin bin. You're welcome. Uh, And we have coming back and not talking about IndyCar for once. It's Chris DeHaanay. Hello, sir. Oh,
4: sorry. Yeah, uh, (laughs) yeah. uh, If there was ever such a thing as chloroform in motorsports broadcasting, I'd have to say the ESPN feed of the last F1 race was it.
1: Hmm. Yeah, if the boot fits, as they say. If the boot fits. (laughs) Some general housekeeping to get out of the way. We are on uh, YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. A new trade brief went up this week. Hooray! Talking about IndyCar. That was fun. We're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. What was it, 101. Um, we're on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101 Um, and if you want to follow us personally we're at Harrison 101 HD at Ryan Eric King at RJ O'Connell at We Zoe and at C the Harday. that's D-E-H-A-R-D-E I know it's a tricky one via the audio platform but we do our best here and if you really really like us you can back us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Nogger University oh no wait it's it's motorsport 101 that's the one five dollars gets you early access to both this Show And Bike Live, which again, if you haven't seen episode 51 already that went live this past Sunday, do it! It is a fantastic review of all of the first weekend's action in Qatar as Dovia Marquez went to war once again. It's a good time um, for all involved. Check it out again later this week for episode 52 where we will talk about World Superbikes in Thailand as Jonathan Ray and Chaz Davis split wins Eugene Laverty got run over. Luckily, he's probably going to be okay. Thank Christ. Um, and all the action that came out of Thailand. It's a it's, it's a good time for all involved. Me and Lewis, are going to be checking that out later this week. Um, don't forget to get for, the, for that $5 ready access and $10. Schemes. You can listen to all these Motorsport 101 recordings as they happen. Because, you know, that's always fun. <laughs> you, can, you, you can hear about my strange habits of not eating onion rings. Well worth the money, if you ask me. Right. Without further ado, during this brief musical interlude, we'll get into the Formula One Grand Prix in Australia, which, wait, Lewis Hamilton didn't win? <laughs> We're back and like King. Congratulations, Mercedes fans! Lewis
3: Hamilton has not won the 2018 Australian Grand Prix. The four-time world champion Hamilton Vettel drove an excellent race to begin his pursuit of his fifth World Drivers Championship. And now you can celebrate like Toto Wolf and the rest of the Mercedes crew with the same t-shirt that they were not. Wearing in the garage after the race, this commemorative t-shirt is now available online at, at
0: all major retailers. Thrift shops and charitable organizations. Or by dialing one eight 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 kl 5
3: 3226 And we'll see you in
1: Bahrain, Forza Ferrari. There seems to be, like, one awful mistake here. It apparently says that Sebastian Vettel won the Grand Prix. This has to be some sort of practical joke, right?
0: Um, no, that no. definitely did happen.
3: He it's did win real. The Grand Prix. It's- it's real, your narcotic
0: is back in the fridge. <laughs> it's back in the fridge if you want it.
1: You know, it's like, I love that Like Sebastian Vettel won the Grand Prix, and then I immediately got, like, four tweets from people, like, talking about, <laughs> like, Dre, apologize. What, for me not having a ton of faith in Sebastian and the Ferrari team this year? <laughs> it's like, ugh, it's. it's I, I, I still find it incredible that this Ferrari bunch is just so goddamn hopeful. <laughs> it's it's funny to me. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Seb did somehow win. Um, controversial and having... What? Yeah, he did win it. And I was like, oh, well, ain't that a nice surprise. We can delay the inevitable for, like, a whole two weeks. Um, <laughs> because, I mean, RJ, if you looked at it through the lens of qualifying, like you probably wouldn't be surprised to or to, you know, to think that, you know, Hamilton's probably going to drop off into the distance.
3: Right. This was very much looking like a form book race. We didn't have a whole lot of excitement in qualifying apart from Valtteri Bottas uh, clipping the inside of turn two, dropping two wheels off in the grass just enough to get him, uh, his car totaled yeah. into wrecked. the... Uh, yeah, absolutely wrecked. Before that, the most drama you had was Daniel Ricciardo's three-place grid penalty for. Was he going too fast under a red light, or was he going too slow, or was he going too slow but not quickly enough? I, I. I think understand.
1: it was too fast. I think he was over the delta. Um, which I love that. Which I love that Ted Kravitz was like, "No, we can't do this. It will take a home guy out of contention for the win." And I'm like, Ted, that's the rules. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
3: Yes, officer, before you pull me over for doing a 75 and a 45, let's just consider the bigger picture here.
1: <laughs> Oh, no.
3: That, like that? Um, yes, and uh, if you look at it through the lens of qualifying, where Lewis Hamilton not only breaks the track record, he crushes it. He had a 21-1. That first sector was magic. Um, so, of course, he puts it on pole. And by of by point six. Well. Oh, boy. Oh, goodness. Yeah, starts up pole by 0.6 seconds, takes the lap record by a full second almost. Um, You got to think, like, okay, if he gets a clean start, which he did, he's going to lead not just the majority of this race. He's probably just going to make this a a block.
1: I I seriously threw my cap at my television screen. I was just getting ready to go to work because it was like 6.30 in the morning when this happened, and I was just like... I I saw that lap, he crossed the line, I immediately threw my cap at the TV and I left the house. I was just like, fuck this. I was like, that ain't getting beaten, we're out of (laughs) here. Let's beat the traffic, yo. (laughs) We're getting the hell up out of here. (laughs) Oh dear. But, um, yeah, it looked like Lewis was going to walk away with this one, Um, probably being a different postcode, getting ready for Bahrain by the time the rest of the field finished. Um, Start happens, Hamilton takes a bit of early pressure from Kimi Raikkonen, and he tried an audacious move around the outside of Turn Two, didn't quite work. Um, shout out to Kevin Magnussen who pulled off a blinder going around the outside of a Stappen around, around, yeah. around Turn One for fourth oh place. That was a beauty from K. Mag. About time he got one of those, right? Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, brilliant stuff from Kevin Magnussen there. But uh, the the key moment in the race. Was got early going, it was about lap 23 or so. Um, they boxed like Ferrari, who had Raikkonen and running in a comfortable second, but starting to lose more time to Hamilton about three, three and a half seconds by the time the first round of stops came around. Um, they boxed Raikkonen early, so that pretty much forced Mercedes to box Hamilton, um, the lap afterwards. Um, yeah,
3: they got him to bite and mm-hmm. uh and of course um any hope of a uh, two-stop race ooh that was way out the window
1: ooh. this is Pirelli we're talking about here rj they don't do aggressive strategies <laughs> like...
3: and when we do we complain that they make the tires too soft so we tell them to make the tires too hard now they're too hard again and this is why you never want to be a sole tire supplier no you... it's never worth it
1: you can't win if you try here kids you just can't it's not pretty but, you know, they said before the race it was going to be a one-stop, and I was like, oh, crap, not again. <laughs> but, um, yeah, of course, Räikkönen, they, they, they put Räikkönen in first. Hamilton came in the lap afterwards. Um, during that first round of stops, Haas, who, as we mentioned a little bit, a little second ago, they were running an incredible fourth and fifth at the time. Kev- <laughs> Kevin Magnussen running fourth, Grosjean in fifth, and... Next thing you know, they box Magnuson, Um and then he crawls to a halt uh, in Sector One after they realize that one of his tires was not uh, properly attached.
3: The left, the left rear wheel had
0: not been attached because of a wheel gun failure.
4: Oh.
1: Um, yes,
0: the which... what had happened was the they had the wrong nut on, so they had they had cross threading, so it didn't attach the
1: wheel. Oh dear, and. Yeah, Magnussen crawls to a halt. He's out of the race from fourth place, which would have been, at the time, Hass's best ever finish to a Grand Prix, beating Grosjean's fifth from 2016 in Bahrain. Um, but, and it,
3: but Don't worry, folks. Romain Grosjean's
0: going to pick up the pieces, and
3: oh my god, it happened again. Haas, what are you doing?
0: Oh. <sighs> yep, it, it occurred again on Romain Grosjean's pit stop, where the front left tire was cross-threaded on.
1: And yet the worst part is the gunman knew it, it wasn't attached properly oh. and he was waving, don't release the car, don't release it, but by that point it was too late, he had already gone Grosjean parks the car on the inside of turn two and because there was no um, runoff area or no you know, escape road for the car, they had to pull out the virtual safety car. Remember that, it becomes important later. Um, but uh, we've got to talk about Hass a little bit here on a sidetrack. What a what a devastating bit of luck for for, for, for Magnuson and Grosjean, who, I mean, Haas were probably the biggest surprise of testing, um, seeing them right up there, and it was great to see that their pace was validated. I mean, as I said, Magnussen started from fifth on the grid, um, Grosjean right behind him. They look like they have the best of the rest car-wise at the moment outside of the big three, which is a genuine shock. <sighs>
3: Right, and you know, with those DNFs you have to feel like those are those are crucial points in the battle for the constructors championship. Like yeah, you know, Haas are not gonna win the constructors championship, but they can make a solid play for fourth or fifth. Um losing potentially twenty two points all in the span of a few laps oh. and knowing that Haas has had trouble keeping up the development pace of their car, that's huge.
1: Oh, it's it's a hammer blow. That was that was cruel. I I, I can't remember ever seeing a situation where both cars have had to retire in a race because of pit stop errors. And I like you get one every once in a while, but never both. That is just so awful. And
3: And back to back
1: Yeah, back to back within what, two laps of each other. Uh, just just Yeah.
2: You had one guy basically storm out of their Immediate
1: immediate immediate gifable moment right there as the guy slams the door as Magnuson parks his car up. Poor man.
2: <laughs> and And then you had the bit which was quite good after, like later on where they showed you like Roman basically going around the entire team, like all the mechanics and like hugging and talking to them. And it's like
3: Roman is a good dude. He is a
1: he is yeah. a good dude. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's ugh, oh, like, props to Grosjean, he's a better man than me, because I know for a fact that would not be me, <laughs> I'd be too upset, but, um, that, that was a very classy he gesture. He is
2: the guy who, when he started in F1, was still work- working as a banker.
1: That's a good point, yeah, it is a good point, and... He's come a long way, Grosjean, and I know people have ragged on him before for being a bit of a complainer. But it's nice to see he had a level of empathy for his team on that one. Um, It happens, and uh, yeah, it's it's a nice reminder that there's you know there is a human element in F one, and it goes so much deeper than just the drivers to um, to have great performances in F one and. Accidents happen, unfortunately. And, um, yeah, real shame for the Haas team there. They were, they were fantastic all weekend. Um, a, a real shame. Because, again, they were, they were they had both cars running in the top five. And that was just a rotten bit of luck. And they that single-handedly pretty much brought Red Bull back into play for a podium. Um, and as well as that, like, it bumped Fernando Alonso up into the top five. And... Like I had every Alonzo stan in my mentions like, Ha! We listened to you last week, Dre. What about him now? I'll get back to that in a minute. But um
3: What we told you that Mac- we told you that McLaren was gonna be absolutely fine with Renault Power. Don't go back and listen. We told you that <laughs> Yeah, we just test our word on.
1: Everything one. would be fine. We totally didn't say they'd finish like eighth. Um
0: though we we should use this time to talk about the first car that ended up in pit lane.
1: Indeed, is that a smoking?
0: Uh, I believe it was Brendan Hartley's Toro Rosso Honda. Oh yes, he uh, smoked Up, got it. Smoking, locked it up. Got a
3: flat spot. They decided to uh, to put new tires on the car, but it really didn't matter. Um, his race was compromised in fifteenth. And Pierre Gasly blew an engine. Um, what's powering Toro Rosso this year?
1: Honda. Do you remember remember how we all thought that Honda, like, seems, would, like, seem to be okay here? The way the testing had gone and they were all ahead of schedule and everything looked rosy?
0: (laughs) Again... We could cut back to the preview show where I said during testing Tor Russell was running modified versions of last year's Honda power. Shut user. up, king. Not, <laughs> this year,
1: not this year's power. Stop user. trying to add legitimacy to this show. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: um I think Sergei Sirotkin's was the most devastating, not just because of the fact that he got a plastic bag stuck in his brakes nine laps into his Formula One debut, and he's already under scrutiny for replacing Felipe Massa and not being Robert Kubica, but also the fact that it didn't have an actual sandwich in it. What's the point?
1: If you're going to ruin an F1 debut with a sandwich bag, at least make it a good bacon and egg one, you know? Like, jeez. Like have, like, have a good sandwich. Like... Be
3: creative mm. like the dude who threw a shoe at the track at Montreal. <laughs> <laughs> dude,
1: like, like Danica. <laughs> I blame Charles Reginald for that one. Like that, that was clearly him that did that at Canada last year. Happy birthday by the way Charles if you're listening. Um <laughs> but um jeez yeah. Oh god, Sorokin that was a bad one. Um the, the, like should we t- take a little touch to talk about Williams as well for a second here because it's never a good sign when Lance Stroll, who was the second last of all the remaining finishers on track, I think it was 14th place in the end for Stroll, says...
3: He got beat by Charles Leclerc. He got
1: beat by Charles Leclerc in the Sauber.
3: There's no shame in that. No. There's no shame in that, but the shame in that comes with the fact that Sauber have been perennial doormats in the championship and Williams just came off a 5th place finish in the World Constructors Championship.
1: Yeah. Ooh. and it di-
3: And Williams looked like they were okay in practice.
1: It didn't help there when Lance Stroll pretty much said that, like, we're surviving right now rather than racing. I think he pretty much implied that just getting to the checkered flag was an achievement in itself. Which is not a good sign if you're in that way. I mean... We were quite down on Williams in our season preview, but I don't think we realized just how bad it was in race trim. Like, finishing behind a Sauber is, uh, hashtag ungood, um, no matter which way you slice it, and, uh...
3: Until proven otherwise, with all the investments that they're making, it's, uh, you, you don't want to be behind Sauber, of Bermeo.
1: No. Um, Because by all accounts They look like the worst team in the grid Marcus Ericsson had a DNF as well on that one Power steering failure in his car Put him out quite early on as well Pretty much the same time I think Brandon Hartley had a failure was pretty much like back to back with each other um, On that one So uh, yeah Sad times
3: Gasly's Gasly's engine blew Hartley had floor damage so he wasn't really a factor Um, Let's uh, Let's get to uh, The point where the race pivoted
1: Mm -hmm. As I rub my hands together like Birdman Right So, as mentioned When Grosjean's car Conked out on the side of the road Because there was no escape road on the turn to Apex We had a virtual safety car No big deal, we know how VSC works by now Turns out about Two laps later we had a full safety car um, Because of the uh, They had to get a crane on track to remove Grosjean's car, awkward position and all that Um, of course, Sebastian, who had not taken his first stop yet out of the leading group, compared to Hamilton and Räikkönen who had, he pitched during the safety car. Mercedes seemed to think that, you know, they'd have enough of a buffer where Hamilton would still come out in front. Turns out they didn't. Um, they claim some sort of algorithm error or software bug, miscalculated, and for the second year in a row in Australia, Vettel comes out in front of Hamilton after a round of pit stops. Oh boy. (laughs) And the Vettel camp, me included, was like, oh shit, we can't believe our luck! (laughs) It's happened again! (laughs) Uh no, no. Uh, sadly, no image of Toto Wolf um, fist banging the table in disgust this time round. But uh, Vettel comes out in front at the end of the, the end of the safety car period, which made the race interesting again for about three laps. <laughs> but uh, King, I mean, how do you break down this Mercedes glitch? Shall we say?
0: I would say. Yeah, it's a it's an unfortunate thing to happen. To have your software, you know, tell you numbers that aren't 100% correct. But again, I'd like to default to Nico Rosberg's review of the race, where pretty much said that, yes, despite the, the software t- giving them a number that wasn't true, it was pretty much still down to Mercedes. Mercedes could have, you know closed the gap to Vettel a bit more before the virtual safety car had come out. That pretty much, that they were, in his, in his terms, uh, Lewis was chilling. Like, literally, <laughs> literally, quote, he was chilling. Like, if they had pushed a bit more, if they had, you know, you know taken the initiative to ensure that, that the time gap was close enough, if the virtual safety car had come out, Lewis would have been ahead.
1: Yeah, apparently Sebastian Vettel gained like five seconds in in the lap before he stopped, and that was the dagger, effectively. So that essentially one Seb the Grand Prix. Um, and. Gonzo.
2: The thing was, um, it before the start of the season, Nico said like the. Like, if anyone was going to beat Lewis, they had to take advantage of his lulls, like the moments he makes mistakes. And him, Lewis, thinking, like, relaxing like that was his mistake. Like, you had, if you're, like, as far as they're concerned, if you're going to beat Lewis, you have to capitalize on every moment you can get. Right. Ferrari did that.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of funny you mentioned that because like we on this show have ragged on Ferrari on several occasions and justifiably so for shall we say strategical blunders. Um, it's it's totally not led to me losing my head on several occasions on this show. Um, see our YouTube channel for more on, on more on that. Um, t- tables were flipped, wardrobes were punched, etc. But um, <laughs> but this time. Ferrari got it on the nose; they really did, and I think a lot of that boils down to having two cars in the fight compared to Mercs only having one. Um, Valtteri Bottas did not have a good weekend; more on him in a bit, but let's just say he wasn't in this lead battle, to say the least. Um, let's like have Raikkonen basically chase Hamilton in a straight dogfight while they had Vettel deliberately tail back during the end of his first stint. Um, before the safety car came out. Raikkonen was not going to win that dogfight with, with with Hamilton straight up, but they didn't tell Raikkonen about what Vettel was doing until it was already too late. The plan was already in motion, and there is a hilarious team radio clip on the F1 YouTube channel where, where Raikkonen basically the penny drops that he's been shafted here in this strategical call, and it, I love that, like, F, like someone in the F1 social media team clearly saw the funny side, Because it's the thumbnail, too, where he goes, and I quote, don't fuck me up with this. Um, and that's exactly what happened. <laughs> oh, Kimmy. Although, in
3: fairness, he did hold off Daniel Ricciardo, who set the fastest lap of the race, trying to chase down his first home podium that he could actually keep. And to Raikkonen's credit... He held it, and not only did he hold it, he got to wear shades on the podium. Yep,
1: and a- avoided vessel awkwardly spraying champagne in his face because you know anything with Kimi Räikkönen has to go viral these days because he's such a character. But um, <laughs> but yes, in- indeed, Räikkönen did hold on, did hold off to the very fast Daniel Ricciardo, who now amazingly is 0 for five for home podium attempts. I'm surprised at that. I really am. Obviously, 2014 probably still is a bit of a raw one for him. But, um, yeah, he did hold off the rampant Ricciardo right at the end um, on that one again. Like, his fastest lap was a good half second quicker than anybody else's. I don't know where he pulled that one out from. But, um, yeah, that was uh, that was a fun one. But uh, poor Riker. It's a shame because Riker didn't have driven well all weekend. He, he out-qualified Vettel, had good pace, leading the charge of Ferrari. Um... Again, second half of the race, he wasn't quite so strong, but uh, that was a that was a good performance from Kimi. Not uh, More of that, please. And Ferrari may may just have half a chance or something. But um, yeah, that's so. We have the coolness of another Vettel versus Hamilton dog fight for the victory. And uh, King, we have to talk about that one funny moment where Lewis Hamilton pulls out the team radio basically begging Mercedes to have a proper go at it, basically, to try and pass Seb for the win. When, and then, like, Lewis basically takes matters into his own hands. Like, he, he tries to get a slow reply for it, and it's like... <laughs> I mean the words he says, I'm going to go for it! <laughs> yeah.
3: I timed it at 35 seconds from the point that Lewis Hamilton's radio message of I'm going for it was played on the world feed to the time where he locked it up, going into turn number 8, and effectively cost himself the race.
1: Yeah, he was half a second away from Seb, coming up towards DRS zone number 2. More on that later. It's not where you think it is. Um, But, uh, yeah, goes wide, goes across the grass on turn 9, and that effectively ended it, because by the time he got to around that 1.2, 1.3 second mark behind Seb again, They'd ran out of gas. You know, like they, they, they knew that Hamilton wasn't going to win, and Hamilton effectively gave up the last five laps because Vettel ended up winning the race by about five seconds in the end. He was actually closer to Raikkonen than he was to Vettel at the end of the race. Um, but I, f- like, I can't believe I'm saying this. I actually feel a little bit bad for Lewis on this one because his pace was stunning. There is no other word to describe yeah. it. He was the fastest man around Australia this weekend, and it wasn't even close. Um, he did absolutely nothing wrong, and he's coming home in second. For once, I actually was like, Lewis had every right to be in disbelief. Was the word That was the words he used, disbelief, after finishing in second, because he did not put a foot wrong, apart from that one lock-up, really, the entire Grand Prix. And he should never have been behind Vettel at all, really. Um, but, you know got caught napping, and it's second place, so um, guys, title fight? You know, Vettel Hamilton 2? Handshakes in the paddock and all that, you know? It, it. At first, I was really,
0: really dismissive of the fact that this would be a title fight. And I'm still a bit, but I think the fact that they're limited to three engines this year is really going to give it a real chance of being a title fight. That we ended up in a situation where everyone's handcuffed.
3: If you miss it late in the race, um, uh, Lewis backed off to try and save the engine. Mm. Um, Lewis insists this was an overheating problem. I could believe it, although the Mercedes is not saying anything. This had people up in arms because, oh my goodness, you have two of the best and they're not fighting all the way for the win because one of them has to save the engine. Um... You do have to make sacrifices, and it is a long game. Yes. Um, w- wait until wait until we get through the next four tracks at least. That's more indicative of what you'll see on the rest of the calendar, Agreed. aka these are Mercedes tracks. Um, you'll certainly get a lot more passing than you did <laughs> this week.
1: Yeah, I've, I, I've, as a quick sign that yeah, I do feel like Merx is going to open a can of whoop ass in 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 Bahrain next weekend. Um, (laughs) that is... I wouldn't say so, like, I'd say because, you know, Mercedes saved their engines,
0: I don't know what Ferrari were doing, but they were clearly pushing to keep Lewis behind them.
1: They've got to make that power unit last seven weekends. Like, that is, uh, that's going to be quite the task. If, 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 we've seen the history of these hybrid units, like, getting to five weekends can be tough with these, let alone seven. Um,
3: Trust me, I've played a Formula One 2017 Career Mode.
1: Mm-hmm. The, the the true measure of difficulty, um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, get, getting through an engine, getting through a season with four is practically impossible. Take it from me. Um, I've been in the same boat as RJ, and then know all about that shit. Um, it's all, like I also want to say as well, of course, as a quick side note before we get into other stuff props to lewis for having the hashtag march for our lives on his helmet i did not notice that until after the grand prix it was it wasn't the nicest moment because it, it, he he was zoomed in and in the cockpit after the race after him parked fermi after he parked up and realized like how on earth did i finish this race in second it was on the front of his helmet which is a really nice touch i don't think you need me to explain why that was so prominent um if you haven't seen why, go read my latest blog on the website about that. Anyway, uh, talking about the the overtaking issues, as mentioned. I mean, the guys that ran the numbers on this claimed there was 15 passes in this race. I think they may be stretching the truth a little bit on this one, because they included... Because yeah, go on, go on, go on.
3: What constitutes a pass? Well... Anything that's after the first lap, so anything that's at racing speed. um, And you have to hold the position um, to the end of the lap. You can't just hold it until a sector or a recorder or anything like that. So any passes that are made after a standing start, understandably, those don't count. If somebody blows a clutch or something, uh, they've basically done the work for you. Mm -hmm. Um, But in the case of Mats Verstappen... Um, going full on, going full on 360 drift coming out of turn two. Um, that counts as a pass, even though you know Verstappen did most of the work for Ricardo and Grosjean.
1: They counted that as free overtakes because because he lost three positions on off that spin. Um, like, is, does, does that really count as an overtake? I yeah yeah, yeah. I guess. But it's like. But but King, it was too artificial. it, was <laughs> no,
3: it wasn't two. It was three. R S. <laughs> three R S. Yep. We had a third D R S zone, and it didn't really do much apart from like Ricardo's dive bomb pass on Nico Holkenberg early in the race. That was about it.
1: And if anything, Holkenberg gave that one up too easy. I, I did. I did spot that one, and I was like, ha- like Holkenberg just gave up on the second corner afterwards. You could have just easily just just braked a little bit later and just held the inside line. Because there was no way Ricardo was making it all the way around. But, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, that was about the only relevant overtake that were for Dan where the other dude didn't make a mistake. Um, because, again, they counted, for example, Carlos Sainz, who ran across the grass trying to hold off Fernando Alonso. Um, and Alonso came through. But... As mentioned, they added a third DRS zone for this weekend after turn 12. The run between 12 and 13 didn't really do anything. The straight's just too short, especially given they're coming out of turn 12 at like 130 as it is already. Um, it's, it just didn't really work out on this one. But at least I said it on Twitter that... I like the fact that at least Liberty are aware it's a problem and are trying to do something about it. They know it's a band-aid because these cars are fundamentally buggered when it comes to being able to overtake each other. We've talked about this before. At least they're trying to do something, I guess, King?
0: Yeah, they're, they acknowledge that it's an issue. But again, it's not going to be an immediate solution. We still have to wait till the current formula runs its course.
1: And that's in 2021. (laughs) I hope you like another three seasons of this, guys. Three. Um, But uh, again, it's something. It's a band-aid. Like I said, it's a band-aid on a gaping head wound. But at least they're aware and they're trying. That's kind of half the battle here. And at least they're not tone deaf like many of the last ownership when it comes to issues like this. Um, I know people are going to complain that it's not quote-unquote natural enough. But... Really? It's been so long. Yeah, it's been 2000. Well, seven... Yeah, seven seasons now with DRS. Seven! This wasn't brought in overnight! <laughs> like. Man,
3: DRS has lasted longer than most drivers' careers.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: DRS has lasted more than active suspension had its run in F1, lasted longer than, you know, ground effects had their time in the late 70s, early 80s in Formula One. Like. DRS is a staple of modern Formula
1: 1 now. Okay, let's let's play a fun game here. (laughs) Quick guess. How many drivers in the 2010 championship are still active in F1 now? Um, I'll give you a hint. There was 27 marked drivers that drove at least one race in Formula 1 that season. um, In fact, no one did less than three. I I will give you six. Six.
3: Let's
2: see.
1: No Googling.
2: Lewis... No, right. Lewis, Sebastian, Kimmy, Fernando. First four.
1: Zoe, it's not as fun if you're sounding and out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I can't think them. Of... King? Um, Roll on.
0: Oh, God. What, five? I I have no clue, because I know what Kimmy came back that season...
1: Okay, I'll give you the rundown. Got Roman
2: Grosjean. Um, a sec. Magnussen? Magnussen started then? No. No, Magnussen's not been around that long.
1: Magnussen debuted was in tw- only five? Magnuson debuted in 2013, I believe. No, it was actually 14. Yeah, I'm
3: still sick of six.
1: Okay.
2: I've s- got five.
1: I'll say six. Se- Sebastian Vettel, Finan was one.
2: Oh, Daniel Ricciardo.
1: No, because Daniel Ricciardo yeah. didn't take part in a race. He was
2: Oh, it was only
0: practice. He was a
1: test driver back then. Uh, so okay, you're looking at Vettel.
0: Wait, no, 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 no. Daniel Ricardo did race. He he was a midseason replacement for Kane. You're a you're a year behind.
1: That was twenty eleven.
0: That was twenty eleven? Damn.
1: <laughs> yep. here's the list. Vettel, who won the championship. Fernando Alonso, who finished in second. Lewis Hamilton, who finished fourth that year um that's three you've got nico holkenberg who made his debut that season so that's four and
3: and he took a year out
1: he took a year out the year afterwards because he was demoted to a test driver and replaced for pastor maldonado shit's shit's not kind people that's it There was four only four drivers are still around from that from that grid and there were 27 guys who took part in a race that season. In fact, as I mentioned, nobody did less than three races that year. Um, Even Christian Kleon did three races in 2010. (laughs) Yes. Christian Kleon did three, Sakon Yamamoto did seven. So, DRS has lasted longer than, like, basically 75% of the 2010 championship grid in the season it was first introduced. See? I'm good at filling in time, people. But, um... Yeah, only four dudes are still on that grid from the 2010 season. You probably would have had Nico Rosberg if he hadn't retired so early, but, you know, shit, shit.
0: Yeah, and we'd probably have uh, Robert Kubica if he got signed instead of Sergei Soraka.
1: Don't anger the Polish community about that one, King. They're already mad enough as it is. But, um, yeah, like... I, I I look at F one a sport that has changed that basically has major changes every five years or so. I'm not sure you can describe anything in it as artificial, but you know, that's just me, I guess. Um,
0: yeah, if if you describe something as artificial in Formula One, then everything is artificial, right? Because it's it's, it's right.
3: like this like these artificial television graphics, which were they're they're growing on me. I like the idea that just like, okay, let's just do what MotoGP does, uh, but do it with a little worse typeface.
1: (laughs) A little
0: worse
3: typeface.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's fun because, like, Dorna's, like, production is, like, probably the best in the business when it comes to MotoGP. They are so good at that. Yo,
3: Dorna's got TV graphics for trackside fauna. (sighs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) boy. Is a thing of beauty, but yes, let's talk about a little bit about Liberty Media as well because this was their first race as official owners. They made a variety of presentation and graphical changes. Um, you know, it's this is always going to cause dissension because we look at F one and change a bit like opening the toilet and seeing a turd in the middle of it. It's it's we don't like it very much and. Uh, I guess you could say this is another example of that because.
0: No, I, I wouldn't say so. Like, what? This is the fourth time that the graphics package has changed in the last decade. That's
1: a good point, actually. It has. Cha- they have. They have changed it around a lot. Like, but. Um...
3: Yeah, my only gripe with the graphics package is with some teams like Red Bull and Sauber, where where they're where they have like color indicators to point out like driver numbers and everything like that, and they're against a gray background. It is.
0: Hell for the colorblind. Yeah, like no, no one knows what color contrast is.
1: <laughs> yeah, that. it wasn't all that bad apart from the Red Bull owned teams because like the, the dark blue completely clashes with like the obsidian black you had in the background. I sound like a Bob Ross painting talking and like describing colors like this, <laughs> but it's like the back the black blatantly clashed with the blue and it it, it wasn't good it, it wasn't so bad with some of the other teams like like like, like, like for example Renault's yellow it worked fine but like it's yeah. you're right like that is going to be a nightmare for colorblind you know for, for colorblind viewers and it it was a blatant clash and it didn't work um, yes
3: as my friend Alice once put it as well i don't know if we need to have the safety car graphic for major incidents <laughs> Because that seems a little bit unnecessary. Like, Romain Grosjean's car is not sto- is stopped at the road. That's that's not really a major incident. When I think of major incident, I think of, uh, take it back to Tets 2003, where Paul Page literally described Kenny Breck's car going into the catch fence and impacting at 206
0: Gs as a major incident. I, I think it's an issue where, like, no one actually thought Of the situations that that graphic would be used, they just assumed any incident that involved a full safety car would involve a car being written off.
1: I'm guessing they were trying to make it idiot-proof for new viewers, like, like you know, call it a major incident of like really thinking about the context of F1 and what a major incident actually is. Which I don't, which I I don't don't think is not. I don't think it's a bad bit of logic to to think in that way, but it it just looked a little bit out of place for f1
3: over dramatization
1: we never do that in f1 never um <laughs> but though
0: we should also talk about the new camera angles Ooh,
3: well, well why don't we talk about the old camera angles because <laughs> this is really my only gripe about the halo because i'm used to it at this point i think it looks nice especially when it blends with the colors of the car but damn it they really should have thought about how this would affect the camera angles that they already have
0: Mm-hmm. yeah so the T cam, it's pretty much unaffected, but the over the shoulder cam is dead.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, what was it? They they had to have their designs in for regarding the cars and where the cameras were going to be, like, and then a month later, by the way, we're doing a halo.
0: But the thing is, uh, you could still have the camera pods there, but just don't put cameras in them.
1: Yeah they they cut out a hole in the front of the halo for this but nobody actually elected to use it. Um I'm
0: telling
3: you they are missing a trick with a swiveling camera rotating around the <laughs> circumference of the halo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you make a good point there. But um yeah like they they did not use the over the shoulder camera I think after Friday free practice. I think after that they they knew it was bad and they just stopped using it after that point. Um, as our friend of the show Elizabeth Worth pointed out on Jalopnik, which she writes for now, congrats, Lizzie! Yeah. Uh, um, as they pointed out, like these teams choose their, where they're going to put their cameras months before the actual season takes place. So, yeah, this was kind of. Like, you would never have guessed this. This wasn't just a spontaneous thing for the TV broadcast. This was planned months in advance. Um, Yeah,
3: like, if. Which, by the way, with all the months and planning in advance that went into this
0: decision, but you
3: can't get your over the top streaming service working for the first race of the season. Uh oh. Like, honestly,
0: I think this shows, like, what Liberty is not in control of, because I'm pretty sure if. This whole you know big graphic change, big everything coming into place this year. If Liberty and the FOM had the choice to tell the FIA no, don't implement the Halo this
1: year, just put it off till next year, they would have done that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it,
1: it, it was already set in stone before they bought the sports out, basically. So they they, they were never going to get that one overturned. Um, that was already hardwired in I think was it from 2016 it was hardwired in it was, 2018 was going to be the year basically um, yeah. so yeah there was nothing they could have done about that one unfortunately yeah the shoulder cam is dead it was awful it, it blocked views it blocked visions it was bad um,
2: Though- many, a meme was, many a
1: meme was made many a twitter like was harvested on twitter from people that were complaining about it because that's what we do on F1 twitter we, we just complain about shit and hope people like it. Um,
0: Though we did get to see more extensive use of the nose cam on the car. That was very
1: nice. They're still showing that off right now with Raikkonen because they're showing off how close he came to passing Hamilton on the opening lap. That was a nice touch. You know. Um,
3: Brian Tyler's new Formula One theme. I hadn't heard it before the race and people had had strong opinions about this, saying this is this is not the Fleetwood back or the Apollo 440, or whatever it was they'd been used to listening to before the start of an F1 race. They're just like, I don't like It's not the I chain! never actually heard it.
0: Um, <laughs> but it, it's actually good, and it's better when it's set to pictures. Yes. And again, this is not replacing any of the broadcaster's introduction. This is the new intro to the world feed. Yeah, so if you're not a fan of Just Drive,
3: well, I <laughs> can't help you there.
1: Go and trust me. I know. I, yeah, I know a lot of f that that are sick of just drive already. I know that for a fact. Sorry, go on, Zoe.
2: <laughs> um, Channel Four, because they were doing their highlight version, didn't have that.
0: Yeah, because so, there's no world feed.
2: Uh huh. It's not the world feed. So anyone who's only seen, who only watched the highlights on Channel Four, haven't actually seen it with the like in regards to it being on for a start of a live coverage. So. You may get a few more reactions there if they haven't already
3: watched it on youtube
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh.
3: and also one last point that i think we need to make here um did anybody's enjoyment of this race was it positively or negatively impacted by the lack of grid girls
2: as lee mckenzie politely pointed out to nico Hulkenberg, he managed to find a spot on the grid <laughs>
0: Like I honestly did not notice until the national anthem, and the the only the only thing that pointed me out that something was a bit off that there was sti- there were still like promotional models for an airline there I forget which one it was one yeah, of one of the, the Gulf Airlines yeah and in fairness the uh, the
3: promotional models like they get paid by the company to be there on a consistent yeah. basis it's not just like a one one gig a year kind of deal as was the. A grid girl role, which, by the way, the grid kids are awesome out there. They're doing They're doing great. I'm proud of you
0: kids. Yeah, you kids, you kids are doing well. You, you guys didn't break any rules. No,
1: that I know. No, no, nobody let off a stink bomb in the Mercedes pit garage. Damn it! Um, they were all very well. But apparently, I, I saw it on um, Will Buxton's paddock passes and seeing pictures. They were they were getting spoiled out there with paddock passes. <laughs> Did anybody see the, the, the little girl that met Nico Rosberg? In the paddock, no, no. Oh, it was it was so sweet. Where it's like, like the the kid's mum is like, like yeah, say hi to Nico Rosberg. It's over there, and then like she's like she shows him a little program, and then Nico goes, oh, I used to be in that car once upon a time. <laughs> it's like it's like oh, Nico, I adore that man. <laughs> He did, he did great on Sky Sports for what it's worth as well. Um, exactly how I thought he was going to be. Um, rational. Witty. Um, he gr- had great banter with Kravitz as well. Um, he was great. Uh, definitely worth pointing that out. <laughs> but um, that was the good side of the media stuff. Um, I suspect um, the Americans among us here are about to uh, tail off on uh, ESPN's first formula one broadcast um see
3: um chris chris buddy
1: yeah chris,
3: yeah did you wake up oh okay. thanks thanks okay, oh there's man no, there's no time there's no time for this um okay um so i'm about to explain i'm about to try to explain what happened it, with this in real time so 12:30 p.m eastern time 12 12:30 a.m eastern time um Formula One's pre-race show, on the grid. This is essentially um, pre-race stuff, Martin's Gridwalk, everything like that. And we get greeted with static mm. camera shot looking out of turn eight in the approach.
4: And we also cut got... Cut to commercial! No audio.
3: Deafening silence. Cut to commercial, cut to commercial. We cut back to the same shot of turn number eight. It is very awkward. Now you can hear like wild sound, but nothing's going on. Nothing's going on, and then all of a sudden, somewhere in Bristol, Connecticut, someone is panicking. Somebody is absolutely shitting—not just a brick, but they're they're goddamn pooping out an entire brick wall <laughs> at this point. And they decide it's time to cut away. To rerun a VSPN, the magazine's E Sixty, the dominant twenty. The recap show, which you just watched before tuning into this. And they cut away to this for a good five to ten minutes.
1: Seriously?
0: It was a trip. It was a
3: trip. I
1: didn't even know this was a thing. Like I like I know the Americans weren't keen on this, but I didn't know exactly the context as to why it was so bad, but that's that's terrible. That
0: Yeah, the 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 bottom line read that uh Formula 1's Australian Grand Prix on the grid is experiencing technical difficulties at the moment. Mm.
4: That's what led to my tweet. You can't complain about ESPN's F1 coverage if there is no F1 coverage. <laughs> <laughs> Woke. Mm. Which I was still getting notifications for the day after the race. <laughs> was that was um,
1: was that, that, that was that the worst of it? Um, no. Yeah,
3: I think that I that think that, w- th- that might have been the worst of it. Um, I just want to add some perspective from a mutual friend of the show, Sean Kelly, um, who of course used to work for Speed Channel and then later NBCSN before you know the broadcast rights were essentially resold on the cheap to uh, to ESPN this
0: offseason, quote unquote sold. That impl- that implies that there was an exchange of currency for a product. <laughs> Yes. What they what they're doing
3: what they essentially saw was them looking at the pictures, seeing nothing happening. Um, this is the shot that they normally saw NBCSN and Speed Channel before them. That static camera shot was what they saw when they're off the air. So whenever they're like taking commercial breaks or you know preparing studio made pre race content, um, which you don't have now, uh, they looked at it. Assume something was wrong, bailed out. And then only then did they realize, oh, yeah, this is actual content, we need to show this. (laughs) Uh, I mean, at least we got Martin's gridwalk in. Yay! Yeah, we got the gridwalk in, yeah.
1: That's that's a plus.
0: But yeah, it it was kind of a noticeable gaping hole that they didn't make any of their own content. Because, you know, on ESPN's on ESPN Sports, during the time that they would do a grid walk you know, with Will Buxton, either before or after that, they would also intercut you know, the other events for the weekend in case people weren't there to see qualifying or any of the practice sessions. It was basically in their race broadcast, they fit in all of the weekends and events for those who couldn't keep up.
1: Right. Well, we didn't get that on this broadcast, then, clearly.
0: No, it was just Sky Sports.
1: Just. Sky Sports. Oh dear. Yeah.
0: And and
3: not just Sky Sports, but Sky Sports with awkwardly jammed in commercial breaks because again, this is basic cable. This is not this is not on the Sky Sports model. You are not paying an extra subscription fee on top of your cable package to get this. So there was not a chance in hell. I know we kind of wanted it, but there was no way we were getting commercial free races. And seeing it applied was like, oh, 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 this is very awkward. He was in mid-sentence. Ugh. And then they cut to commercial. Um, Remember, Chris, you remember at St. Pete where um, uh, ABC missed the restart from the safety guard? There's a
4: reason why they're called always bad coverage. They Mm.
3: did it again. (sighs) Disney-owned properties are two-for-two and missing restarts.
4: Thanks, Sigh. Disney. I find it's, yeah. it's like Bizarro World where, like, F1's doing all the wrong things with broadcasting in America while IndyCar is doing the complete opposite with their recent announcement that they're moving to NBC.
3: Yeah. Which, again, leads to my earlier point. Um... Formula One TV should have been ready by
0: this point. Would have helped. Though I think it was our friend Elizabeth again pointing pointing out jokingly, "Hey, the coverage. It's almost like they wanted the coverage to be so bad so they'd make people sign up for F1 TV."
3: Oh.
1: <laughs>
0: I knew well and truly
3: that it was going to be you know not as well put together as like a and like an actual uh, domestically produced broadcasts. Like, say what you will about NBCSN, that they had too many commercials. At least they would have told you, given you a heads-up ahead of time that they were cutting ahead of commercials. Yeah. And they would produce their own original content and try to work around the parameters of what they were given. hmm This was just, this just felt like a, it was a drag-and-drop broadcast.
1: Certainly felt that way. Like, just broadcasting by numbers, basically. Um... And that's a shame, because I think the US audience was expecting more, even if you're quite cynical against ESPN. Um, I I had a hunch when they announced they were just going to basically lift Sky Sports' coverage. I was like, that's probably not ideal. Um, I didn't think they would like literally just take Sky Sports' coverage and then just bolster their own ads over the top and not thinking about the context of how to put together a decent F1 broadcast. That's Probably not ideal. But, um, yeah. Um, I, I, I did, again, obviously being British, you wouldn't realize how bad it was, but I didn't realize it wasn't that bad. Um, yeah.
0: So, it was what, wild. Yeah, like, I I really think that ESPN are literally treading water until they get their own over the top service where they, you know, scream it on that platform without any ads
1: and apparently like yours as well was like way behind as well like in terms of the actual live race itself
0: yeah so basically on watch espn or espn 3 uh the streaming service it was about i would say 90 seconds behind the actual broadcast on espn 2 and if you're
1: following that on social media you've got no chance you're gonna get that shit spoiled like that's that's bad. Like that, nine, like ninety seconds is bad. I mean, I again, I.
3: That's a lap. You're a lap behind. Yeah, that's
1: bad. Like I, I've I've watched like the darts before on Now TV, which is Sky service over here for streaming, and now about thirty seconds back, and I think that's bad if you're on social media at the same time. Um, this was worse. <laughs> like like that's that, that's clearly like two maybe three times worse. Um, that that's not ideal to say the least. Um,
0: yeah and I say that they're basically treading water because ESPN Plus their over top cable free subscription service will be available at some point this year for five bucks a month
1: hopefully ASAP because that would only help but uh, hey F1 TV if you're in America yeah, soon maybe soon, soon. soon even though
0: they're all, they've been releasing details about F1 TV that that there'll be options to actually turn off the commentary and literally just have natural sounds
3: this means you can make up your own commentary now
0: yep that uh, means you, that <laughs> yes. means you don't have to listen to the commentary provided which will be David Croft and Martin Brundle
1: which to be fair are not as bad as they used to be <laughs>
3: But if you're bad. if you're still not a, if you're still not a fan of Croft and Brundle, you can uh, you can just put it on mute. Yeah.
1: Like, like at some point, me and like me and you, King, need to commentate a Grand Prix together, <laughs> and just put it on YouTube and find a way to get over the get get around the cop the, the obvious potential copyright <laughs> situations. That would be fun.
3: <laughs> it would yeah. be like Riff Traps, but for Formula One.
0: Hey, you know, maybe we don't have to put it out on YouTube. It's true because we have other ways we can get stuff to, to our fans mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. you know are willing mm. to give us a certain you know amount of contributions for our services
1: that's an that, that <laughs> that's an idea that's an idea do you feel like think me and do. lewis has always kind of had the idea for rest of Real 2006 like one of the best moto gp races ever just a thought okay mm.
0: If you need stab boy, if you need stab boy, I'm there. Stat
1: boy, I remember. I remember we actually, your <laughs> Tony Ryan King Reale, clearly. Um, but uh, I remember doing that like in 2013 for the Canadian Grand Prix on YouTube back in the day with Scott Woodward, uh, one of the earliest guests we had on the podcast from back in the day. That was fun. It really was. A um, couple of observations to take away from the Grand Prix itself. Um,
3: oh, Valtteri, what happened? Uh, oof you missed it Valtteri Botas, of course he wrecked in qualifying he started 15th so you're thinking oh he's in a Mercedes um he should have no problem making his way up to a podium finish um he was a solid eighth he made no ground up at the start um he really only got back into points contention um midway through the race I believe after the safety car um it was and he made no inroads on a train of cars led by Fernando Alonso, then Mats Verstappen and Nico Hulkenberg ahead of him.
0: Yeah, it's almost like his car was cut in half 24 hours before that point. Hmm. Yeah.
1: (sighs) Yeah, just... (sighs) Oh boy, this, this wasn't ideal. I mean, like... According to people close to Mercedes, they were expecting Val even after having to start fifteenth after not only the crash but also a five-place penalty for a place in his gearbox. They were still apparently aiming for top six. Val finished up eighth, um, and he's had to go into other part of power unit components already as well because of the damage that they took during that wreck as well. Ugh, oh, that's not a good start for Val. Um not at all. Yeah. That's that but it's a great
3: start for an orange car. We're a number 14, baby Fernando Lass back
1: up board. <laughs> <laughs> Who turned RJ Quindle into to urinating tree for a second there? Like holy shit! Woo! <laughs> Watch to use the thunder review. <laughs> <laughs> Here's to you, the biggest lol cow of the off season. Um, but yes, we haven't talked about this enough. But Fernando Alonso, P five, every. He's back. <laughs> He's
0: back, baby.
1: Why have we unleashed the Alonso stand in the background again? So- somebody get RJ all the way in the sin bin, all the way. Z-
3: now, before you take me out there, I just want to say, um, real quick, shout outs to the wonderful Sporty Lifestyle products at Kimola. Um, shout outs Sick. as well to to the entire um, to the entire Spanish Mormon community. Shout outs to everybody who's been with this journey for the last sixteen seasons. Um, shout, out yeah, shout out to Iron Brew. Yeah, shout out to. Has Ironbrew. anyone got a tranquilizer
1: dart? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but though, I yeah, should also lizard. note. Ooh. The, the front page of Marca, you know, the Spanish sports newspaper, Monday morning was Javelto. He's back with Fernando Alonso
1: on the front cover of the paper. Um,
3: a go, man go, who's won go, 33
1: go. Grand Prix is getting front page news over finishing fifth. What the hell is wrong with you people? <laughs>
3: Anytime Alonso finishes fifth is front page news. It's, a, it's the Elon 5 effect.
1: Get out. All of you. Get <laughs> the fuck out! <laughs> hey, I'm
0: just- I'm just stating what happened. Yep. Hey, King, you, can, st- you can stay. I'm not
4: jokes here. Yeah.
3: King, you c- <laughs> I don't tell jokes, I make factual statements. Please don't pay attention to the fact that he was losing several seconds per lap over the cars in front of him. It's Shut sad. up. It's fine. It's I'm fine. going to
1: javelin you into the Sin Bin in a minute, RJ! Jesus Christ! That's like, yes, this is the thing, it's like-
2: Sin Bin's good, we have fudge here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> give me that fudge <laughs> no, no you're all, you need a uh, you need a Sinbin uh gold pass, uh,
0: Sinbin gold
1: pass. fine you need presented you by game okay okay as as RJ like puts an asterisk just then. Like, Fernando was out here acting like this is going to be like the start of like the rise of McLaren to challenging for wins again. This was effectively half a Grand Prix after the safety car came in. He finished 20 seconds behind Daniel Ricciardo in fourth. Like, McLaren, that was a good performance, but you are still a gaping chasm behind the best of the Renault teams. Like, like... That you are still way, way off where you needed to be, and according to people in the know, the, the, the performance of the car to be able to pass around Albert Park was apparently 1.8 seconds. You, your car needed to be almost two seconds that quicker to effectively pass somebody around here. That's why Max Verstappen, who so- behind, had no chance of getting past him. <laughs>
3: Would you then say, then, that um, a more accurate benchmark of what McLaren are right now is Staffel Van Doren in ninth?
1: Yeah. I've, I, look, they should be getting points. Like, this... Like, they closed out the year with three straight points finishes. Like, con- right now, it's a situation where it's like, congratulations, McLaren, you're exactly how you closed out the end of last year. But, okay, the fifth was a little bit freaky, but we forget, that that only matched Fernando's best performance in, in since he's come back to McLaren. He had a fifth at Cota in 2016. So,
0: and, and again, we do also have to take into account uh, they probably finished two positions higher than they should have because of the Haas double retirement.
2: I think also with how uh, testing went with Toro Russell looking quite good and them doing the least amount of testing because they were having all these issues. I think as much as they were saying, like, oh, we're aiming for this, we're aiming for that, I think they weren't expecting... I still think they weren't quite expecting a fifth.
1: Were they? No. I mean, McLaren have always had a very self-inflated value of how good they actually think they are. I don't think this, I don't think them think, I don't think that they would rule out a top five finish if everything went to plan. Especially if you believe what Fernando is saying. Because I don't know how much of that is Fernando just being a PR hype man. And how much of that Fernando genuinely believes. But, I don't know. But. McLaren of all, like they seem to think they're still like the Manchester United of Formula One, but uh, I, 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 I got nothing for you on this one. I think the ninth of Stoffel is probably a more realistic baseline than fifth because I think Haas and Renault are comfortably faster than them in normal conditions. Um, they were just the ultimate Mm -hmm. benefactors of Haas having a double DNF in front of them and the nature of Albert Park, meaning that the faster car behind him in Max Verstappen had zero chance of overtaking him. Um, but hey, that's Formula One for you. You make the best of the luck you're given half the time. Suck it. All of those people who VSEs that complained about Vettel winning that race. Right. (laughs) Uh, uh,
3: sometimes you can overcome your bad fortune like Carlos Sainz did, who ran off the track and then almost had a reversal of fortune in his crash helmet during the middle of the race and still gutted out a 10th place result, um, as his Renault teammate, Nico Hulkenberg, free of the, free of the chains of feminism, um, gridded out another solid 7th place finish. Good day, Bruno.
1: But how on earth... Like, I, I love that Lee McKenzie's had a blatant shots fired moment while doing the Channel 4 coverage where oh. he described Nico Hülkenberg as, oh my god, it's a miracle he was able to find his spot on the grid We've had a grid goal there to guide him. <laughs> and I was like, just when he thought he couldn't get any worse, Nico Hülkenberg doubled down on the on his stance on grid goals when he wrote a lengthy piece for, for the build in Germany about describing the situation as Having F one without grid girls is like having Tom without Jerry. Oh my God!
3: What was Tom's aim through the whole show? Um, tro- apart from the, apart from the last, the disturbing last episode where they both stand up in front of a railroad track just to get <laughs> off.
4: I just was that it.
3: Yo, the yo, the ending to Tom yeah. and Jerry was one of the most disturbing things ever. Yeah. It's up there with Roseanne. How the how the hell is Dan still alive?
1: Yeah.
0: I don't know. Retcon. It's
1: it was all a dream. Fun fact there is a very fun nostalgia critic editorial video about that very scene in Tom and Jerry. I highly recommend you go and see it. But um, yes. It,
3: it takes you it takes you right into the mindset of any Alonzo fan in racing. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> because it, because you can't have the over-the-top enthusiasm without the over-the-top
0: self-deprecation, but you can't have it without the over-the-top broadcasting service.
1: Apparently, what yeah. service? Speaking <laughs> of lip service, King wanted to dig out his Autosport ratings because he's the only one a plus account. You heathen, tell us some more.
0: <laughs> okay, so again, Autosport has returned with their. You know, race-by-race driver ratings of Grand Prix drivers. But this year, there's a twist. This year, Ooh. if you are Autosport Plus subscriber, you can also vote and contribute to the user rating.
1: Who thought and that was a good idea? <laughs> I,
0: I don't know. I don't know. Uh,
3: yeah, they obviously took inspiration from Metacritic's uh, user ratings of video games, which, of course, are a very real and accurate statement of how good a game actually is and not subject to review bombs where people will just vote, downvote en masse on a game that they don't like because somebody said something controversial that they don't like in the
1: press. Or hashtag fuck Konami. <laughs> right. So. But, uh, King, what what have you been able to make of not only the autosports ratings for the weekend but also what the fans thought?
0: Ooh, there there is some differences. They're they're not massive because you know, people like to toe the company line even though like they're not a part of this company. Mm-hmm. But I think we should start where we should start at the top with our Grand Prix winner, Sebastian Vettel. Yay! Autos <laughs> Autosport gave him an eight. Fair. The fans gave him a seven point six, which is yeah, it's fair.
1: Yeah, I can't all give it up. It rounds up to an eight. That's fine.
0: Yeah, it's like good to note that you know a little bit lower. Okay, uh, Lewis Hamilton Autosport gave him a nine. That that's very bold of them.
1: I can understand that.
0: Uh, the fans gave him eight point five.
1: Oh, that—that that shocks me. The fans act. The fans act. The fans were less stanny about the whole thing than Hamilton's actual writers were for Autosport. That is alarming, in in my opinion. Holy shit! It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah, next driver on the list: Kimi Räikkönen.
1: Oh boy! <laughs> Kimmy
3: I want gets... to say, say Autosport gave him a 7, and the fans gave him
0: a 10.8.
1: Seems about right. Mm,
0: you'd be incorrect. Autosport gave him an 8. Nice. The users gave him
1: an 8.1.
0: Just a little bit higher, but yeah, 8.1.
1: Seems seems reasonable to me. Yes.
0: Okay, we got next driver up, Daniel Ricciardo, also uh-huh. gets an 8. Sure the fans give him 9 uh, 7.9 okay yeah again
1: nothing too crazy there
0: yeah it's it's pretty it's starting to actually even out more as time goes hang on hang
1: on this means alonzo's next isn't it
0: yep alonzo <laughs> uh-oh next. duck
1: and cover <sighs> uh
0: alonzo gets an 8 from autosport 8.1 from the fans
1: oh that's actually kind of reasonable Damn it! That's yeah. <laughs> not high enough. Damn it! That's not. High you enough. shut your mouth.
0: Okay. <laughs> Max Verstappen gets a six from Autosport. Yeah. Okay. Five point four from the fans. What?
2: <laughs> Clearly, Autosport is not appealing to the Dutch fan base. <laughs> no. I mean. One.
1: No, like the the Dutch clearly haven't haven't heard of Autosport yet. That, that, that's my only logical explanation for this rating. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, next driver up, Nico Hulkenberg gets an eight from Autosport. Okay, seven point three from the fans.
1: Unfortunately, yeah. it, it would have been an eight point five if it wasn't for the fact that the Grid Golf fraternity also voted in this poll. <laughs>
0: next up. Yep. Valtteri Bottas is up next. He gets a 5 from Autosport. Yikes. 4.3 from the Fed. Double yikes. Ooh. <laughs> Don't tell Chris.
1: <laughs> Don't tell
3: Chris. No, not, no, not Chris. Cook. I think Chris. <laughs> Cook.
1: Yeah, like, could just pull that what's yeah, left Chris of his hair. Chris.
0: Okay. Stoffel Van Dorn gets a 7 from Autosport. Six point five from
1: the fans. Hmm.
0: Stoffel van
3: Dorn is serviceable. I. That's that's about. Also,
1: happy birthday, Stoffel! Twenty-six today.
3: Yay! Yep.
0: Carlos signs at Renault. Same exact scores from both Autosport and the fans. Six. Yep, seven from from Autosport. Six point five from the fans. Okay. Yeah, that's about right.
3: Uh, they got a great on a curb. He, he was he was dealing with the nausea. His drink mm-hmm. bottle was spiked. Yeah.
2: No, but he shouldn't be like telling them they're sick. He, there's nothing the the team can do if you are listening to David Coulthard okay, go on okay. His tie ride.
3: okay, okay. Um Mr. Coulthard, I I think it's time I think it's time to have a nap. <laughs> have, a, have, a lie
0: down.
1: have a nap on top of his bed of zero world championships.
0: Okay, so the biggest contrast so far is for Sergio Perez, who gets an eight from Autosport, what, and a six point nine from the fans. Nice eight. <laughs> yeah,
1: I get
3: Force India were nowhere. I guess
1: they're compensating for that. But the Force India has been trash pretty much all season so far, including testing, and Perez probably snuck it yep. into eleventh. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep, quote from the review uh, He outpaced Ocon in both qualifying in the race And uh, so did about as much as uh, So did about as much could be expected With the equipment
1: Fair enough
0: Yep, his teammate Espan Ocon Gets a 6 from Autosport 5.7 from the fans mm. the, the seeming trend is The fans don't think highly about anybody <laughs>
1: The fans are just <laughs> as cynical and bitter as I am. I'm here for it. Sweet.
0: Everybody
3: gets a zero. Gets Everybody zero. Battle,
0: zero.
1: Alonso, zero. Alonso, zero point
2: four. Kevin gets a minus one because he has to be cool.
1: He's a hipster.
0: Charles LeClerc, in his debut with Sabre, gets a seven from Autosport and a seven from the fans.
3: That's actually reasonable. Seems, Charles yeah. Leclerc was pulling above his weight in the equipment that he had. Seems about
0: right. Lance Stroll at Williams in his sophomore out in his first sophomore outing gets a five from Autosport and a four point five
1: from the fans. Yikes, that's that's painful.
0: Okay, yeah, Brendan Hartley he gets a six from Autosport, five point six from the fans.
1: Floor damage, kind of an NA, really. Next.
0: Yeah. Romain Grosjean, 9 from Autosport, 8.4 from the
1: fans. 8.4, okay. Yeah, I can agree with a 9. That, that seems about right. His teammate, Kevin Magnusson,
0: 10 from Autosport, 9.3 oh, from the fans. They gave
1: K-Mag a perfect <laughs> score. Wow.
0: Yeah I was... <laughs> You
3: had said that you had said that Somebody got an you and told me that it wasn't gonna be Kevin Magnuson. I knew
0: it. I, I, I had to, like, try to deceive you a bit. I could just give it away.
1: Oh. Makes sense. <laughs> oh, you swerved me. Magnussen was robbed of driver of the day easily because of that. Yep. Yeah, that that's perfectly fine, in my opinion. Magnussen was outstanding this weekend. No,
0: the fans who didn't rate him a 10, where are you?
1: I, 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 want, it, I, I, want, I want you to give an explanation why you catch these hands. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow.
3: It's, it's Ron. It's Ron Dennis. Uh, one Nico Hulkenberg. Two. Um, I think that I think that's everybody that
0: downvoted. Uh, yeah. And we got three drivers left to score. Pierre Gasly gets a six from Autosport, five point four from the fans. Okay. Uh, Marcus Ericsson he gets an eight from Autosport, six point seven from the. I mean, six point eight from the
1: fans. Makes sense. He, he outqualified the Clerk and was doing all right until the power steering failed.
0: Yo, them fans though. <laughs> Six point eight. They're
1: all of the Le- they're all of the Leclerc fan fraternity.
0: <laughs> and last but not least, Sergei Sorokin, five from Autosport, four point five from the fans.
1: One of them being Marks and Spencers for losing one of their sandwich bags. <laughs> Yo.
0: So yeah, both the Williams, yeah, both the Williams drivers get the lowest scores with five with double fives from Autosport. And double four point five from the fans.
3: And Haas got a nine and a ten. They averaged out under nine point five. Yep. Oh oh god. They could have finished on the podium, couldn't they? Oh.
1: Sigh.
0: Yeah, if the cars if the cars fell the right way and they were able to catch Raikkonen, which looked highly probable, yeah, they would have had a podium.
1: Sigh. I think this just about does it hit folks, isn't awesome. it?
0: Yep, anything else anybody wants to talk about before we step away? Uh, Clint Boyer won. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
3: the snow yeah.
4: day race. So, yeah,
3: we uh, we recorded this race on a Monday. Yeah. Um, we Recording had this uh, race? Martinsville really? snowed out on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs>
4: nice, um...
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah, what, what happened at Martinsville? Why couldn't they race on the Sunday? Uh, it snowed,
1: it it's... snowed a
3: lot. It's not a lot on Saturday night.
4: Yeah, this was mm. Clint Boyer's first win since October 2012, and I actually have fun little, four little fun facts about this uh, win of his. Uh, since Clint Boyer's last win, or around that time, the iPhone 5 was released one month before that time. Uh, Snapchat, at that point, was one year old. Instagram had just turned two, and Windows 8 still wasn't available to the general public.
1: <laughs> fuck me
4: <laughs> I feel One, old just thinking about that of, 1,991 days since Clint Boyer's last win
3: this according to, to at Drunk Brian France on Twitter or as he is known around the office just Mr. France
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> Mr. France with the drinking problem <laughs> oh dear congratulations, congratulations Clint, Clint. <laughs> And the uh, tr-
4: <laughs> the Camping World Truck Race earlier that day today was also won by um, John Hunter
1: Nemechek. Nice. Ooh, yes. Uh, everybody.
3: Gl- I believe that uh, that about covers it. I mean, we've we've hit all the high points from what was a race that will probably go down the books as aging very badly. It's very good to take in in terms of its race highlight format. I wouldn't necessarily sit down and go out of your way to watch the whole thing
1: back. I wouldn't either. Um, I gave it a 6 out of 10 on on the day because I think it's the sort of race where it's going to be much, much better live to see it in in, in an archived library on its own. No. Just no. This is going to age terribly. And the the safety car was the best and the worst thing to happen to that race simultaneously. Um, And... Yeah, it's still masked a lot of the issues that this sport has got. Conservative strategies were not out uh, of wriggle room for for um, unpredictability and general lack of overtaking. Again, um, we've been here before with F1, but uh, and then it's going to be on put they fix that. Hopefully, a little bit more race-friendly circuits like Bahrain next weekend. Hopefully, we'll do a little bit better with that um, going forward. But uh, I, I personally wouldn't recommend this one. The highlight video on YouTube, I think, is definitely enough on... I definitely wouldn't recommend Sebastian Biddle's here. No. <laughs> that was... Uh, like that? Like uh, that?
3: That thing's got to grow in, and even then, it's not even a guarantee that that's gonna look. That was
1: that was that was like that was basically a fade where they told him three on the top and then 0.5 on the sides. Um, say no more, fam. Say no more, fam. Like again, like said, bit of a bit of advice from me. Come, go to a black barber's; they would never let you leave the building like that. We have too much pride for that sort of shit. Um, that was that that was uh, not good shall we say. Um, And that will just about do it on on this episode of Motorsport 101. Places you can find us one more time, we're on youtube.com forward slash Motorsport 101, we're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101, um, we're on Twitter, at Motorsport underscore 101, our personal tw- handles one more time, at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, at RJ O'Connell, at Wee Zoe, and at C D E H A R D E. good at spelling me, um, and if you really, really like us, of course, you can back us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Motorsport one oh one. Don't forget, $5 gets you early access to both this show and the bike live. As I said, episode 51 went live this past weekend. The Qatar review and a BSB 2018 season preview. That season kicks off this weekend. Um, Episode 52 will be out most likely towards the end of this week. uh, And that will be a review of the World Superbikes in Thailand. So check that out if you haven't already by the time this goes out. So, until next time... Um, From me, Andre Harrison, from Ryan King, from Zoe Hamilton, from RJ O'Connell, and from Chris, I've been Andre Harrison. Thank you very much for listening, and I will catch you guys next time. Sayonara.
3: Alonso back, y'all!
1: Bye.
0: RJ, you're in the Simbin. And a winner... (laughs) And a winner is you.
2: Don't worry, there's Sludge here.